On this episode, we talk about excuses, the ROI of social media, and virtual reality. You ask questions, and I answer them. This is the Ask Gary V Show. This is Gary Vay, Nerdchuck, and welcome to episode number 38 of the Ask Gary V Show. Fun fact about the number 38, I am 38 years old for 10 more days. I know I said I wasn't gonna do any more fun facts, but actually all the people jumping into the comments over the weekend saying, yeah, I'm glad you got rid of the fun facts. It didn't bring me any value, made me do a fun fact. Before I get into today's episode, I just want to make a couple of uh, statements. One, I am completely miserable about football. This has just gotten to a whole new level and I just want to, for once and for all, I don't even know if I did this for once and for all on the show before, but I'm gonna do it for once and for all a second time if I did. When the Jets lose, it does not bring down the value of the franchise. And number two, I'm pissed. Joe asks, can anyone create good micro content? How can you make sure your team consistently creates good content? Joe, great question. First, for everybody who's watching and or listening, I want to talk about the term micro-content. It's something I started using three, four years ago. Uh, It hasn't really caught on. I myself don't know how often I'm going to use it going forward. But the notion was content made specifically for the platform. You know, the videos and the pictures, the quotes, the written words that worked on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram, Snapchat, Vine. It was the context of the book Jab, 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 Right Hook. You rock. Throw it up there. Throw it up there. Show it. They got it? Mm-hmm. You got it? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do you make good micro content? How do you consistently get your team to do it? First of all, content is subjective, right? Steve likes Game of Thrones shows. I don't. Not that I don't like it, I just haven't even seen it yet. Some people watch Game of Thrones and don't like it. Very few, I think, because mm-hmm. it's very popular. But, you know, it is still clearly subjective. That's number one. Number two, how do you get a team to be good at anything when you're scaling your kind of POV on the world and marketing to a 400 person and downstairs? A lot of comments about downstairs. We'll get there. Um, uh, organization, it's about education, but I would actually say that for me, scaling and getting my team to get there has a lot to do more with osmosis, right? Like putting it into the water stream versus having a class that teaches it. Sure, you can write a book. Sure, we have lunch and learns and and learn ups within the organization, but they're not attended that well. Need to talk about that, by the way. What's happening more here is people are doing and people are smart. You know, it starts with hiring good people, smart people, and then when you realize you've hired somebody who's not capable of learning through that process, well then you gotta make some decisions. But to me, making good content takes a couple of core pillars. Number one, you've gotta respect your audience. Meaning, you've gotta respect the psychology of what they're doing when they're on the platform. I know a 40-year-old woman is in a different mindset when she's on Facebook versus when she's on Pinterest. And that is how I try to storytell to her because I know on Pinterest she has intent to shop, aspiration to shop, and on Facebook she's keeping up with her world or consuming information. And so I strategize around that, the psychology and the platform itself. Number two, when I say respect, I put out content that I think she will like versus what I'd like to accomplish. Yes, I'd like to give me a bottle of wine. Yes, I'd like to, a little faster, Alex, I know it's early. Yes, I'd like to sell this, but if I put it in a way that 
is more interesting to her. Five under $10 bottles of wine that you know, help you get through the day when you have eight-year-old kids and then you target eight-year-old kid moms, you're gonna start getting into a game that gives you a better chance. You know, 12 wines somebody who's 38 will like and then you target people from, that were born in 1975. These are all strategies that will work, again, very heavy Facebook uh, or Instagram taking a glamour shot of it in an angle and it's just like cool and nice. Like it's all of that kind of stuff. Respecting the audience, respecting the platform, taking your agenda and making it third. James asks, what are your thoughts on podcasters and YouTubers building a business model around donations? James, uh, great question. You know, it's a trend we've seen for a long time. I saw bloggers do this back in 2003 using PayPal as a tip jar, right? There was, you know, this has been a thing that's been around for a while. I think though, as the evolution of the internet is happening, much like the resurgence of podcasts, I see this model in a world of post-Kickstarter becoming more of a trend. I definitely see it as something that I won't do for myself because I'm just using my content as a global jab, but I could see myself that if it was the only thing I did, if I was only this, right? If I was only the character uh, that I am when I put on the podcast and the show, meaning when I say character, I want to define that for you, meaning this is what I do for a living, right? I, uh, I put out my marketing thoughts. Like I've had my career. I don't want to be a practitioner anymore. I don't want to run this company and I just want to write books, speak and put out the show. I would probably go with that kind of model because I need a sense of and a source of income, and more importantly, you start realizing as you go, and this is a great piece of advice for all of you, no matter what you do, sell cheese, you know, like put out shows, whatever you do, and a lot of you do a lot of different things, real estate, you know, that five to 10% that most give a crap about you, boy, the Vayner Nation, boy, that stuff really matters, and a lot of times you can rely on them because they're getting value. I have been blown away, humbled even, by the amount of people who've commented over the last seven to 10 episodes saying things like, man, I've come to realize I'm really into this show or this is my best part of my day or this is when I get motivated. Like, you know, it starts becoming valuable and then I can see the kind of, it's a hedge against I'm charging for this. It's kind of like a guilt move um, but it's also like a support me move. You know, I think it's, I think it's a very viable kind of attack and, and if you're considering it or anybody here is considering it, you know, if you have enough mass of loyalists, you can actually make it valuable. Like if you only have seven people that give a crap about you and they give you $10 a month, you got 70 bucks a month. Not gonna necessarily crush it that way. Um, but if you've got a real big audience and you can get that five to 10% to really support, there's some dollars behind it. Hey, Hunter Walk from Homebrew. We do uh, seed stage investing and I've got a question for Gary. Gary, what's up with virtual reality? <laughs> what's up? Uh, with virtual reality. First of all, Hunter, great background. As you guys can tell, Hunter was in the office. We're talking biz. We've done some mutual investing together. He's a great VC, a great blogger, great Twitter personality. You should check him out. Link him up during the thing. Do something DRock to help the dude. Anyway, Hunter, it's a great question. I wonder, you know, it's funny because I know what you do for a living. I'm like, hmm, is Hunter looking at this space? You know, look, I've been talking and I've been doing this move and if you're listening, I'm putting my hands in my eyes. Uh, Oculus Rift, it's coming. You know, I very much think that, look, I mean, I hate predictions, but we're getting close to the end of the year where I think we're gonna force me to do a prediction show. When I say we, I mean me. Uh, I, uh, 2014, I think by 2024 for sure, and that's 10 years, I think by 2021, VR is gonna really matter. I think video games, television, and movies 
AKA entertainment, and I don't want to get crass, but I think porn as well. I think those four categories uh, from a business standpoint will be heavily affected by virtual reality and then by virtue, I uh, I see advertising going there because all of a sudden you can imagine if I'm playing, you know, Madden, and I feel like I'm the quarterback, and all the signage around the stadium is now Lionel Richie, root beer, wine, things of that nature. You can see how advertising gets filled into it. I, I, look, I'm in the eyes and ears business. If you want to know what business I'm in, and if you want to get a cut, the rock of a video clip for a 50 second video for my YouTube channel, take this one because I'm in once and for all like. Stake in the ground, I'm in the eyes and ears business. Wherever the eyes and ears go, I go, right? If I think the ears are moving quicker and quicker to podcasting because connected cars are here and mobile devices are here, I start podcasting, get it? It's how I move. And so VR is coming as an investor uh, under the context of you, uh, Hunter, and asking that question, I am looking at it. I'm looking at the production companies, the people with the, th- the kind of 360 cameras that are gonna be in it, um, video game producers that are gonna play in it. I'm a big believer. I think it's a little early, and it's definitely early for mass. Um, but I think over the next three years, you'll start seeing kind of like sprinkles to it, and I think five to seven years from now, virtual reality will have a real place in our society, bigger than people think right now. In the way that you didn't think older people would take selfies three years ago, that's what I think about BR. Meaning, a lot of you don't think it's gonna happen, I just do. Vayner Nation, aka podcast homies, aka, I'm just kidding. Uh, Little exclusive content for you guys here. Really appreciate all of you and just wanna stick it to all the people that only stick to video. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this extra bonus question and please light up social and rub it in to the uh, video only peeps. Taylor says, your calendar is crazy, you're hustling every day, but if you could add one thing to your routine, what would it be? Every day, every day, every day, every day. I hope you guys read it with the er. If they didn't read it with the er, he didn't say every day, he said every day. A uh, little hip-hop love here on the Ask Gary Vee Show. Um, you know what's funny? This question three years ago would have been interesting because I would have talked about working out, but as you guys have seen, I'm transforming into an incredible specimen. Uh, if, uh, if this was, you know, a little longer than that, so may- maybe if it was 18 months ago, I would talk about that. If it was three years ago, I would have talked about uh, my family time. And actually, the real answer probably is, and I'm going to do it, so I'm giving you a preview to Gary Vee, uh, life in 2015, 2016. I don't know when it's going to start. It'll come random. But I am going to start running home at 4 or 5 or 6 p.m., probably another year or two when Xander gets a little bit bigger um, and have dinner with the kids or, or bathe them, kind of like come home, do the, you know, I'm so lucky to live in New York City and it's all very close. So the notion of running home, spending 30, 40 minutes with them, how was your day, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to do it as just like a checking the box. So I'm trying to figure out my version of this. Um, but come home, uh, spend 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour with them, and go back out into meetings. So that's the one thing I want to add to every day. That being said, there is another thing I'd love to add, which is I'd love to add a little bit of me time. Right now, I'm pretty much like succumbed to my business, my family, and my one hobby of the New York Jets, which is my me time for sure, but that's only 16 times a year, and very honestly, that's getting real painful real fast and is often the case. So trying to trying to think to myself as I get a little bit older here, as I start trekking towards 40 as you guys heard like what do I want to do between 40 and 50 or 50 and 60 what's that new thing is it is it golf with a friend that has nothing to do with business I need some sort of personal escapism maybe a new hobby 
might be going back to garage sailing, but a little bit more kind of like me, right? Like I'm just so in the zone. The Jets really do do that for me, but the problem with the Jets is, and this is true, this is not even a joke now, the problem with sports in general is, you know, you're you're not in control of the happiness factor. It's why I don't want to do golf either because that's a frustrating sport and I could see myself getting, I want to do something every day. Maybe it's meditation or yoga. I got to do something that brings me happiness, not pain. Robert says, I know you hate talking about ROI, but how do you show someone there's a true return on your efforts on social media? (sighs) How do you set the question up again? I Uh, know you hate talking. I know you hate talking about ROI. Yeah. But how do you show someone that there's a true return on your efforts? Robert, I love you for this question. DRock definitely edited this out and make it one question. It's called ROI of your mother part two because I want to put this right to bed once and for all. The ROI of your mother concept is to make fun of traditional media ROI, not to get away from social media ROI. I, Robert, I, I love to talk about the ROI of social media. I don't want to run away from it. I'm all in on it. Once and for all, I want to talk about this. I love ROI. I sell stuff. It's what I do. Nothing matters to me otherwise. No marketing media reports, no rewards, no ad age mentions. That's not what I play for. I want to sell coffee. I want to sell cheese. I want to sell wine. I want to sell gadgets. I want to sell sweaters. I want to sell you if you let me. That's how I roll. And so, how do you prove it? You prove it. Meaning, there's a lot of ways to do it. I don't know what you're trying to sell and I know a lot of brand managers from big brands kind of follow me and watch me here. It's very easy to prove the ROI of social media. When we post the t-shirt that we want to sell, let's link that up. By the way, I never got around to posting t-shirts, so now it's 20 bucks, not 14, the reverse engineer thing. I apologize, Vayner Nation. Uh, We see the sales. When I post, when we run dark posts for Wine Library, we see the sales. When we ran that campaign for that one organization, we got 2,400 signups. Versus the 60 signups they got for doing YouTube videos and billboards and all that and they spent 10 times more there. It is very easy, my friend, if you have the direct channel connect. What I mean by that, I don't know what that meant, it just spewed, but if you can prove it out on the back end. So for example, let me explain. For most of the clients we work with, when you're a CPG company and you sell your product to Walmart and then they sell it, it gets hard to prove the ROI of a post. But when you're Gary Vaynerchuk and you have winelibrary.com and you post it and it goes directly back to you, you can see it. Guys, the only reason I have so much bravado is I'm seeing the math. I come with bravado when I have intuition, right? But I'm always hedging. Watch my narrative. I'm always like, there's something happening here. Look what I just did with virtual reality. I'm nuancing it. Yes, I'm making, I'm, I'm hedging, but I'm still making a commitment. But the insanity that you've seen from me on Facebook dark posts or the emerging insanity on Pinterest's ad product once it gets a little bit more price effective and at scale, that's nothing you've seen from me since maybe 2009 Crush It when I really believed in YouTube because I was feeling it. Guys, I'm feeling it right now. How do you prove the ROI? You create a connective tissue to show you that this thing did that. Now that's direct response selling, right? That's DR and that's fine. I'm a branding guy. You need a mix because if you keep throwing right hooks, it has diminishing returns. But it's never been more easy to prove the ROI of social media than it is right now because you can just link it directly to the dot-com attribution. Whereas, you cannot do that for print, outdoor, radio, or television. You just can't. You can't do it in the same exact way. You can create a call to action in those commercials and you can track it and you can and you will and that's why those channels matter still as well. 
but it's very easy to put a link in any piece of content, even an Instagram where I put it in my headline. You guys know what I'm talking about. So, you know, misnomer. I do like talking about the ROI of social media. I just don't like that it's not understood that it's more obvious to track it than it is in traditional. And more importantly, I don't want to talk, talk turn, turn all of you into direct response sellers because then you're far too much right hooking. And so a lot of times the best pieces of content are engaging and jabbing where there is no link out to a call to action. So there's a drop in the correlation of sales but you're doing the better overall thing for the brand. My friends, it's branding and marketing, not just sales. But social media can show you sales. Roberto asks, what do you feel is a bigger obstacle to success? A lack of time or lack of capital? Roberto, this is a tremendous question. I think the biggest obstacle uh, to success is a lack of optimism. That question in itself is the problem, my friend, right? You're looking at two things that are both negatives and guess what? Both of them are obstacles. When I started winelibrary.com transformation from my business, I had time, I worked my face off every minute, but we didn't have a whole lot of money in our profit center, so it took more time, right? It's just the way it is. Today, I have more money, but boy, don't I have time. But neither, ever, ever will be an excuse for me. And so, just to drill this through the throat of the Vayner Nation, that's right, I went that graphic. Don't smile, D-Rock. Here's the bottom line. I refuse to allow you to get an answer to that question because both of them are firmly square in the excuse column and I have no patience for that. There will always be problems. Let's talk about a million other things that are a way to stop success. The health and well-being of your family members so it takes your mind away from execution. The country you live in's government and political you know, concepts at these moments a la startups in China that I've invested in that got traction but then people that were wired into the government decided to not allow it to happen and then the startup disappeared. Not as easy to be an entrepreneur there. It's still a communist country. Sorry, it just is. And so all these things can be problems, right? There's a a competitor with a billion dollars who's also skilled and punches you in the mouth and knocks you out in the first round, right? The world changing. I mean, there's just a million obstacles, right? The media, one bad coverage of you. A, A moment in time. You know what I think about a lot? You know what I think about a lot? Let's get really real. This is why we did this show. I always, I'm a human being and I always think about a moment in time. What if I just say the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? What if I call out China for being a communist country in an episode while I'm on a rant and somebody who's watching doesn't like the way that tastes and it takes away a business opportunity for me in China in seven years. Even though I'm not trying to zing, it's just things that I saw. What if, what if, you know, what if, What if I look down on my phone while I'm driving even though I've really not done that and I hit somebody and I kill them and that becomes the story and they're like, forget about the story about what you think of me. I will never recover from that because I killed somebody because I needed to check a tweet. These are moments in time. So there are so many things that can keep you from being successful, right? The the people that you invested in having something happen to them so it slows you down. My friends, there are a million reasons why not but there's one great reason why, which is you've just gotta persevere no matter what it is. It's just the way it is. It's hard being an entrepreneur. It's hard building a business. Everybody thinks it's so easy that there's an entitlement. There's a disaster. Zinging China, here comes my US zing right now. 
There is an insane generation of 18 to 25 year olds right now that think they're entitled to having a business because they saw the social network movie and everybody's decided if you're a kid and you know what tech is, because you used Instagram early on, you're entitled to actually build a business. Building a business is hard. And you know what makes it really hard? Everything that happens every day of every moment. So, you can pick time, you can pick money as the one or two things that you think stop you from winning your game, but the truth is there's a million reasons. 99% of businesses go out of business for a reason, and that reason is it's hard. And so, if you're watching this show, I've got a sense of who you are, and you need to start creating layers and layers and layers and layers of skin to be able to get through because the glamour of being an entrepreneur, the goodness. You know, you get very confused by my optimism because it's my optimism. I can't help it. It's just how I roll. It's probably one of the variable 1% reasons why I'm successful. But please, don't get it twisted. This is hard. Every day is hard. And if you don't have the stomach to weather the storm, you will not be successful. And by the way, let me throw you a real weird curveball. And that's okay. People have to look themselves in the mirror and understand if they're a number two, three, four, five, six, seven in an organization that has differences of being a number one, but maybe that's where your skill set sits. Maybe that's how you make your fortunes and happiness and all the things that you're looking for. And so, that question got me going a little bit, Steve, because um, it's under the context of excuses and uh, I will never make an excuse. Everything that's a problem with me, everything I don't achieve, everything that's a problem with VaynerMedia, and everything is my fault. And I, I succumb to that and I respect that and I actually think that's the way it should be. And so, um, no excuses my friends. Thanks for watching episode 38. It was a, a driller of an episode, kind of just tight. Maybe a little bit of anger from the eight straight losses. But uh, question of the day, very simply. Um, what should I ask here today? You know, I actually I have a good question. Um, talk to me Talk to me right now about the thing that is most on your radar over the next three to five years. I talk a lot about the lack of practicality of a three to five year plan in today's world, so I don't want to hear your business plan. I'm trying to get a a bigger sense of who you are as a person, so give me your three to five year life plan. It's going to change. You'll adjust in six months, but I want you to paint me a picture of the next 36 to 60 months. Um, By the way, what did I say, the third? 11 days, 11 days I'll be 39. Just want to forewarn all of you that when I turn 39 that will begin the process of my freak out to 40, 365 days of insanity. Oh crap, wait, subscribe! I need subscriptions because I can't push this many right hooks in social, so subscribe!